Yale Podcast Network. Welcome to Yale Emergency Medicine Podcast. This is Tom Balga. Today we have two special guests with us, Dr. James Kloon, Assistant Professor of Surgery and Plastic Reconstructive Surgery, Yale School of Medicine, and also Dr. Amanda Zubek, Assistant Professor of Dermatology, Yale School of Medicine. Today we're going to talk about ultraviolet radiation-associated skin cancers. Amanda, can you tell us what are the concerns when you're going to have um, nails done at a salon and they're using gel and they're going to go ahead and heat the gel to kind of dry it off? Can you tell us what some of the concerns are? Sure. Uh, When you go to a nail salon, uh, the typical uh, way to dry or to cure the nail, um, either gels or acrylics, is to use an ultraviolet emitting light. Um, they can either be just a typical ultraviolet light or an LED light. And uh, we know that ultraviolet light can uh, is associated with increased risk of skin cancers. Okay. And when you see that, uh, how often do you see uh, cancers from those type of lights? So recently it has actually been shown that the amount of ultraviolet light that's emitted from those Nail salon lights is very, very low, especially um, relative to the amount that you might get just being outside on a regular sunny day, or um, it's also much lower than what you would get at a tanning salon. So the risk of a skin cancer, either melanoma or other type of skin cancer from those nail salons has been uh, shown to be very, very low. Okay. And what what might some of those skin cancers look like? So in general, uh, the skin cancers that we see on the, on the nails or around the nails are either melanomas or squamous cell carcinomas. Um, you can also see other types that are less common. Okay. And can you kind of describe what they might look like? Uh, sure. So a nail melanoma uh, a lot of times can present just as a dark brown or black stripe down the nail, uh, a, sort of a vertical or tr- longitudinal brown stripe. Um, and it can be very difficult to tell the difference between a benign brown stripe down the nail or yeah. a melanoma. So it's important to be able to recognize that it's there and refer to the appropriate specialist for evaluation. So I think that's one of the concerns for us in the ED is we might have a patient that comes in, they've been waiting for a while, they've got multiple complaints, they have some dizziness, lightheadedness, and they say, you know, I also have this uh, mark on my finger, I hit my thumb a couple of days ago. You know, so what should we be doing with that? So I think history is important to history taking in these patients. If they hit their thumb, you know, a few days ago and now they have a a red or brown mark, um, it could be blood or it could be something else that had been there before. Um, So we look at a lot of different factors in those in those lesions, including the um, whether or not it's found kind of in the middle of the nail or if it starts up at the top of the nail and extends all the way down. Um, we look at the colors that are there. We use special magnifying glasses that can identify um, variations in the in the stripe or in the, the lesion. Um, and then trying to find out how long it's been there from the patient. Are there any changes in the nail itself, in the nail plate, if, it's, if there's ridging or splitting of the nail? Those can all be helpful um, information. If the uh, melanoma 
or the pigmented area of the nail was started distally, would you be less concerned or? Right. You would be less concerned if it starts farther, you know, farther down the nail away from the base of the nail because the vast majority of the nail melanomas start in the, in the matrix of the nail or where the root of the nail is. Okay. And can you have lesions around the skin, around the nail as well? Does it extend from the nail bed over to the adjacent skin? Definitely. So if the if you have a nail melanoma or a brown area in the nail and it extends up onto the cuticle or in the, the skin around the nail or the fingertip, then that, that can be a concerning sign. We call that the Hutchinson sign. Okay. And that can be concerning for melanoma. And that's good to know for boards too. Seems like a good board question. So, Dr. Clune, if we have we have a case in the ED, we're concerned about, and we give your one of your residents a call, or we give you a call. Um, what would be the next like follow up for your team? Uh, we'd probably have the patient come back to see us in clinic for a nail biopsy, or we'd even refer to one of our dermatology colleagues to do the nail biopsy. We'd uh, spend some time with them and confirm that there's something we're concerned about, and you know if it's a hematoma, it will grow out with the nail in time and that would be less concerning. But if you have a streak that's been persistent, the nail's been growing, the nail's had growth, but the pigment has stayed the same, then we would, uh, this is something we'd probably go after in biopsy. Okay. And how would you actually go ahead and do that biopsy? Uh, There's a couple differing methods and I'll, uh, with Amanda, I'll talk to her about it as well and see what she thinks. But, you know, people have have, uh, punch biopsied these before. Some people, if I have it referred to me, I actually take the nail off and I'll make an incision and take the area out and use that as my biopsy. I think you get a more complete biopsy, but I don't know. Amanda probably has her uh, opinions on this as well. Yeah, definitely. You want to be able to see where the melanoma starts or where the pigmented lesion starts in the nail, and a lot of times you can't do that until you remove the nail plate. And so, you know, we numb up the finger, remove the nail plate, or at least the area where the pigment is, and then you can usually see where it starts uh, um, underneath the nail, and and then I'll either do a punch biopsy or a shave biopsy to to remove the entire portion of the pigmented lesion under the nail. Okay, and who's at greater risk? Uh, Does it depend on skin color, and what are your thoughts on uh, who's at risk? Yeah, we know a lot about skin uh, risk factors for melanomas under the nail, Um, and so generally it's older people are higher risk, so people in their, you know, 50s and above, but you can see it at any age. Um, Acral melanoma or melanomas of the hands and feet is is more common in people who have darker skin types. So um, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians have a higher risk of those types of melanomas than Caucasians. Um, And those are pretty rare. Regular melanomas are pretty rare in those skin types. So that's important to know about. One of the things about that as well is that since we don't have... uh as much suspicion for melanoma in people with darker skin colors, they can present at a later phase of uh, of the melanoma because no one really thinks of that in a darker skin pigmented person. So it's important yeah. to uh, you know have dermatologic exams by everyone of all skin colors and uh, need to look at the hands and feet uh, especially. Okay. You know, one thing I noticed is there doesn't seem to be any licensing for folks that are actually doing nails in the state of Connecticut. And it looks like they're the only state in the United States that don't really license them. Uh, so that, to me, was concerning about regulations and that kind of thing. Uh, any thoughts about that? For licensing of nail salons, yeah. you mean? Yeah, so I think um, <clears throat> recently 
it's been recommended that you uh, that all nail salons become licensed so that they can be a little bit better regulated. Uh, I think, especially with risk of developing infectious diseases from going to the nail salons like fungus and bacterial infections. Uh, so I think that's interesting that Connecticut is, is, is the only one that doesn't have that, that regulation. Um, the, the role of the ultraviolet you know, lights at the nail salons, so those are, because they are ultraviolet emitting devices, they actually are regulated by the FDA. But that being said, there's a really wide range of the amount of radiation that you can get from those, and that's not very well regulated. Okay. You can have varying, you know, the bulbs, depending on when they were changed yeah. last, can be stronger and uh, hold the machine is and that sort of thing. So it can vary even from machine to machine within the salon. And it seemed like some of the gels required a different um, amount of time for the light, and so it didn't seem like it was very standardized. Right. So typically acrylic nails require um, uh, about two minutes of, of – or acrylic and gel nails, they both require – about two minutes of typical ultraviolet light. Um, but then if you do several coats of it, then you're going to be going under the, the lamp a few times throughout the session. And a lot of times people go several times a month or a couple times a month. So you do get a, a bit of, of ultraviolet exposure. In general, the LED-based lights uh, have lower amounts of, of ultraviolet radiation. Okay. And besides melanoma, what other things would be concerned about? So uh, there's uh, a higher risk of actually developing a squamous cell carcinoma of the skin or of the nail uh, unit from ultraviolet light. And so uh, in 2015, there were a couple of case study or cases that were reported um, of women developing squamous cell carcinomas on their hands after having gone to the nail salon for many years without many other risk factors. And so there was a big to-do about it. And uh, the, the a few other studies have been done since then that really showed you would need to go to the salon, you know, every three weeks for 20 years in order to increase your risk for squamous cell carcinoma um, over somebody who has never had that exposure by the by the time they're 80. So I think okay. it's a it's still a pretty low risk. Yeah. Okay. And so let's go back to the patient we're seeing in the ED. <clears throat> We also need to do a really good thorough physical exam and look for any lymphadenopathy. Where might we see lymphadenopathy, and where would we, uh, what should we be looking for? Sure. So in the exam of the upper extremity, if you have a concern for a subungual melanoma, you can check the epitrochlear node, which is on the medial epicondyle, just, uh, just above the medial epicondyle. There's a cluster of nodes right there. Okay. Um, sometimes when someone has a, uh, uh, a subungual melanoma, you'll palpate a node there. Um, I've seen that a few times this year, and uh, that can be the most proximal or most distal uh, lymph node that would be positive if you were to do a sentinel lymph node biopsy. But for the most part, you're going to find the bulky lymphadenopathy up in the axilla, um, and uh, you know that can be telltale sign that you have metastatic disease. But some of the yeah. um, um, immunotherapy that we have these days, which we didn't even have six years ago, has uh, really changed the course of how we treat melanoma. So it's not something they should... Uh, uh, note that they have and and just completely panic and never come back to see us again. Uh, yeah. you know, it's not it's not um, as uh, difficult as it once was. It's still very serious, but uh, there are better treatments. Okay. 
And if we can just go back to melanoma and just talk about like the very basics of regarding it, the A, B, C, Ds, and Es about it. Can you go over that? Sure. So we we talk a lot in dermatology about uh, the A, B, C, D, Es of melanoma, and it's a little different in the nail melanoma than in okay. skin melanoma, but it's kind of the same idea. Um, so A would be age, like we talked about, you know, older people, um, older than about 40 or 50 years is more common. B is band, so it's a pigmented band on the nail. If its breadth is greater than three millimeters, we worry, or if the band itself is very irregular or if it's getting wider over time. Um, C, so change is um, if it's changing over time. Uh, D is digit, and so digit meaning which finger or which toe is most common, and, and we know that the, the thumb and the big toe are the most commonly affected by uh, nail melanomas, which is interesting. We also know that the um, the dominant hand, so if you're right-handed, that's more that hand is more likely to get a melanoma. And then E is extension, like we talked about with the Hutchinson sign extending onto the skin around the nail. Um, and then F would be family history because okay. these are genetically, um, uh, the, it's a genetic mutation that causes these melanomas. And so if there there can be a family history in nail, nail unit melanomas. Okay. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about genetics. <clears throat> so right now there's a lot of different genetic testing that folks can go and get done. And what is the role of family history and genetics with uh, both these disorders? So with nail melanomas and acral melanomas, we know that a common mutation is in the, the CKIT gene, which is an oncogene, which is different than some of the other melanomas that are more in, you know, more sun-exposed areas. Um, and there's a huge field looking at different genetics of melanomas in general. So I, I think the nail, ma- nail melanomas is still a, a young, relatively young field, and we don't know a whole lot about that. Okay. And how about the pediatric environment in that population? Do you think uh, they're at risk? And I know we've been seeing more kids with melanoma. So kids can get melanomas. Uh, I think it's definitely much more rare than in adults. The nail melanomas in children is, is exceedingly rare. And so a lot of times, you know, parents will bring their child in with a new black stripe down their nail and be very, very okay. worried about it. And they can look very scary when you look at them on exam, that these lesions. But the vast majority of them are benign. So a lot of times in kids, we'll, we'll just monitor them for change. Okay. So it's really our older population. Right. <clears throat> Sometimes in the kids, I have seen um, what's thought to be a melanoma. It turns out to be more of a spitz nevus, which yeah, is, okay. uh, can be a pigmented lesion in children that uh, is, mimics melanoma. And actually, if you go back in some of the past case reports of children with uh, melanoma, they were actually spitz nevi rather than a melanoma. So it's something that we've focused our attention on more in the last uh, decade or so to really differentiate that. So a lot of this is just going to be prevention, too, and bringing awareness to uh, melanoma and other types of skin cancers. So what are some of the uh, type of prevention stuff folks can do to help prevent getting melanoma or any other skin cancer? So in general, sunscreen is our is our friend. Uh, we know that sunscreen can prevent melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancers. Um, with regard to the nail salons, you know, fingerless gloves can be used or broad spectrum sunscreens, um, if you you know, can be used ahead of time, and that r- dramatically reduces your risk of skin cancer in general. Okay, and how often should folks go and see their dermatologist for a good skin evaluation? 
So we recommend uh, if you have risk factors, like if you've had a lot of sunburns or, you know, blistering sunburns over your lifetime or a family history, you know, of melanoma and, and, you know, either a parent or a sibling, then you should be seen once a year. If you've had a skin cancer already, then you're at higher risk for developing other ones. And so you should be seeing your dermatologist at least once a year, if not more. And after... Once I've resected a melanoma on a patient, I'll send them back to the dermatologist with the recommendation that they be seen every three to six months for the rest of their life okay. if, if you had a melanoma because you have wow. a 10% yeah. chance of having more melanomas if you've had one. Yeah, and that's critical to keep getting followed up and keep on top of that. Um, the other thing is eye protection. You think it's worth for folks to be wearing eye protection when they're getting their nails done and... Uh, I think it's a pretty low risk to to the eyes, uh, the amount of ultraviolet light that they're getting at the salon. Although in general, if you're you know outside, I think just from from the sunlight, you should be wearing UV protective glasses. And I noticed there's some stuff about uh, information regarding non-pigmented subungual hum- uh, melanomas. Sure. So those are those are what keep us up at night because they're not that easy to recognize necessarily. They're called amelanotic melanomas. And they can present just as a, you know, funny-shaped nail that's not getting better or bleeding, you know, from under the nail or a painful lesion. And they they don't have any pigment, so they're harder to recognize. Um, And therefore, we recognize them later, and then, you know, it's it's harder to treat them. Often I'll see a patient who has been referred after having uh, what's thought to be a fungal infection of the nail treated for a year even before a biopsy is undertaken and which demonstrates an amelanotic melanoma. And at that point can be can be pretty late. Um, so if people have a, a, you know, a, a lingering infection that's been treated for a while or just distorted nail but it doesn't seem right and someone's been working on it for a while with no, no resultant uh, solution as to what's causing it, uh, then, you know, you should be suspicious. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, that's great. One thing that comes up, for any of these lesions, um, it's very tempting in the ED to go ahead and make incisions on uh, different abscesses or whatever you have. But I'm always worried if it doesn't really look like an abscess, I really don't want to be cutting into it. So if you were to cut into uh, a skin cancer, what are some of the problems with that? Well, I think, you know, skin cancers don't necessarily need to be dealt with directly yeah. in the emergency room. If you're concerned about infection, you know, I think it's definitely important to test for that. But uh, in general, you, you want to just kind of expedite them being evaluated by, you know, a dermatologist or a hand surgeon so they can do the appropriate biopsy. So if you cut into it or remove part of it and either don't send it to the, the right, right lab, there yeah. could be delay in diagnosis. Okay. But if you think that it's a patient who's not going to come back, which we've seen a few times where they've just been scared about what they had, they ignored yeah. it for years and finally were able to come to the ER, then call us and we'll come down and biopsy it then and we'll send it to the derm path lab. Um, and there's special procedures for doing that. And so I think it's, if, okay. if you're afraid you're never going to see the patient again, call us. Yeah, no, that's great. And what about like taking a photo and putting that in, in the medical uh, chart for you? Does that helpful? We love photos. Photos are always helpful, especially when you call, you know, yeah. the, the console, then we can go ahead and look and, and, you know, make initial recommendations or kind of help help us know what we're getting into. Yeah, and then by the great. time they follow up in the office, you know, we can tell if it's changed at all as well. Right. If it's a, you know, a pigmented lesion on a nail, but it seems to be working its way out to the distal tip of the finger, then we'd be less concerned and it, it helps. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's really difficult for us. We're seeing 
the patient in a very brief moment of time, and we really want to ensure really good close follow-up for them. Um, and I think that's what's really important is the, the follow-up piece of it. Uh, can you just go over some like take-home points for us? Sure. So take-home points for nail melanomas. Uh, if you have a long uh, brown or black band that's new on under a fingernail or a toenail, um, get it checked out. If it's changing, getting wider, um, and it's not just growing out with resolution, then you definitely want to you know, send them to the dermatologist or a hand surgeon for evaluation. And, uh, you know, from the surgical perspective, I know people read online about subungual melanoma and they automatically assume they're going to have their finger amputated when they see the surgeon. But, you know, these days we'll shave off the area with the pigment. We'll send it to the pathologist while we're in the operating room. And if there's no invasion into the periosteum, which is the layer above the bone, then we'll just put a skin graft where that was and, you know, they won't have an amputation. Some people do have to have that if it's yeah. a deep melanoma, but, uh, you know, it's not like it used to be where we would take the finger um, without uh, any other uh, thoughts because, uh, you know, the uh, difference in uh, survival hasn't been recognized uh, to be any different or the time to local regional recurrence and that sort of thing. Well, I think that's very important because some of our patients, we, you know, really need to know what's the next step going to be and give them, like, reasonable expectations. And if we really scare them, they might not follow up at all with you, you know. So right. that, that's really a problem. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been great, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you.